And now for something completely similar. Special segment today on For Screen and Country. I'm Jason McLeod. Welcome. I'm Brendan, and I don't give out my last name because I don't like identity theft. Today we're exploring a question that has plagued humanity for many years, and in a question that we, uh, at a different time, devoted an entire episode to. And that question, once again, is what is it all about? Alfie. And today we're going to figure that out, because as I said before, I'm Jason and with me today is my co-host, as always, Brendan. That's him. You might think it feels a little different because I'm taking the reins today. Well, because it's my day today. It's all backwards because we're doing a remake of a movie. So I'm doing a remake of Brendan. So I'm doing the reboot of Jason. Yeah. Well, you're going to reboot me. I'm going to reboot you. Ready? Okay. Ready? Okay. Ready? Hey, I'm the reboot of Jason. Ah, uh-huh, Brendan. It's not gonna. It's not gonna uh, hold up for ninety no, minutes. You don't like that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jason. We normally. What do we normally do, though? Well, normally we talk about movies on the British Film Institute's top one hundred list, as established in the year of our Lord, nineteen hundred and ninety-nine. But not today. What we are doing today is we are watching a remake, a sequel, a prequel, a, a sidequel, a, a reboot. Uh, I guess a, a, a later reinterpretation, a, a, a TV movie extension. Uh, we are looking at a movie that is kind of similar to something we already watched. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it is the 2004 remake of the Michael Caine classic, Alfie. But before we do that, Jason, last week we aired a little What Were They Thinking special because you were away for a bit. Yes, thank you. Um, but two weeks ago, uh, yeah, don't let it happen again. <laughs> <laughs> but two weeks ago we talked about Peeping Tom, so we are going to read some comments that some listeners sent us in regards to that film peeping tom let's do it we have some comments to read comments comments from last week's episode where we talked about peeping tom with our good friends steve and izzy ah, steve, of everything uh, i learned from movies yes now soon retiring from the podcasting game as of all time They're already yeah it's already happened in their last episode <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think I think actually what happened was Mark Summers uh, may have convinced them to stay. So that's oh, great. That was nice of him. He double dared them to stay in the podcast. Oh, again. shit. Oh, By yeah. the way, you're welcome, fans of Stephen Izzy. You're welcome, fans of Mark Summers, because Brennan and I grew up in Canada, and I'm pretty sure there was no way to watch his show up here. So let's read some comments about Peeping Tom. Our first comment comes from repeat comment commenter slash offender slash all around great guy, Adam Pellman. AP, what's up? <laughs> AP Bio says, no, Adam Pellman. I, I joke, I joke. That was a yeah, harsh it's one. Fun. Um, Adam Pellman says, love this film and so heartbroken that its controversy essentially ended Michael Powell's directorial career. He's one of my favorite directors. I always think about this film as being so far ahead of its time, but then I remembered it was released the same year as Psycho, which is somewhat similar in its themes and content, which I will add uh, uh, 
editor's note here. Not editor's note. <laughs> I will have my own little note here. We did uh, say also this was released two months before Psycho. Mm-hmm. So they could, I believe they were being worked on at the same time. Alfred Hitchcock, ladies and gentlemen, was a thief. Yeah. yeah. A goddamn he made, thief. He made Psycho in two months. <laughs> he, he, was very, he was a very good film, a very fast filmmaker. Absolutely. <laughs> but yes, it was ahead of its time. We even talked about how it's like very like... Uh, that was echoing like cell phones. Like, people are using mm, cell phones all the mm, time, but his yes. dad constantly filming them. Yes, and and now you can hide a cell phone in your uh, breast pocket without having to like cover your entire trench coat. Oh, you don't even need the trench coat anymore. You can because of modern technology, you can get rid of the trench coats in your wardrobe. You can uh, just have your balls hanging out. For Screen and Country is brought to you today <laughs> by Ball Trench Coats. Ball Trench Coats. Hide your balls in a trench coat. Hide your balls, but air them out. Uh, our next comment comes from JF, who is a, a previous commenter and also uh, could be an initial. He could be Johan Frankfurter. Okay. But uh, we'll go with JF for now. JF says, everyone talks about 1939 or 1976 being seminal years in film history, but in my opinion, 1960 is the year film broke open. Peeping Tom, Psycho, The Apartment, The Dolce Vita, freaking breathless, eyes without a face. So how many of those movies have you seen, Jason? Uh, I have seen Peeping Tom. I have, uh, I'm have. i familiar with Psycho uh, because I, I uh, am a film fan. I've not seen it. The Apartment I know exists. La Dolce Vita, I certainly know how to pronounce it. Uh, breathless uh, sounds like I should see it because he says freaking breathless and eyes without a face wasn't that a Mel Gibson movie no 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 to any of that (laughs) (laughs) I can't you haven't seen Psycho no I but I mean I feel like I have oh boy yeah you should you should see most of those the apartment and eyes without a face are fantastic what about breathless I don't I don't like it oh well, Jay, the gauntlet take. has been thrown down. Sorry, it's a bit of a hot take. <laughs> hot take. Um, but yeah, no, there, it's 1960 was a huge year for film. I agree. Alan Allen. Alan Allen. Oh, Alan Allen. our old friend Alan Allen says. Watch for the first time this week. Captivating and engrossing. Not sure, especially given the time it was filmed, not long after World War II, if uh, Boehm, like the Carl Boehm, yes. the actor... Uh, if his Germanic accent and Nordic looks were pur- purposely used to add an extra layer of sinisterism, uh, I believe we—I believe we found out that he did. Yeah, and, um, and this was certainly in the era of the Nazi heel. Yeah, uh, reminded me a lot of M. Fritz Lang's masterpiece, and Hitchcock certainly seems to have taken influence from it for his British return in Frenzy. He did seem to. I, I, now, forgive me. I, I'm, I my film history is not as good as yours. Uh, was Peter Lorre in M? Mm-hmm. Okay, then, yeah, I was going to say this, uh, uh, Bohm sort of has a real, like, Nordic Peter Lorre vibe to him. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, if Peter Lorre is, like, the, the Mediterranean uh, uh, Semitic version, then uh, then Bohm is definitely the, the Nazi-Aryan Superman version. Jason, I will I will wholeheartedly recommend you watch M. M. It's very good. And I'm pretty sure it's on the Criterion channel. If it's not, it should be. Ooh, it should be, yeah, come on. What come on! Get? What do we got here? What's next? Uh, Dan Medeiros, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, says, Very unsettling film. Incredibly colorful cinematography. Oh, yes, it is. I do have to say, between Carl Bem, Bohm, Bohm, Carl Bohm, and Anthony Herkins playing uh, repressed murdering creepazoids that same year, Perkins is, to me, much more effective. Interesting take. That's tough. I mean, I, he's good. I, I, from what I've seen of him, from what you've seen of Psycho, the many clips I've seen on talk shows <laughs> and, over the years, and the I'm sure you've watched like Psycho Two or something. Oh, all the time. 
every day. I, I wouldn't put it past you. I was expecting you to say I've never seen Psycho. More of a Psycho. Like, I'm more of a Psycho Four guy. Yeah, I was gonna. I you know what? I wouldn't have been surprised. You're a Jaws Four guy, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was the, the movie that kept me out of the water. Um, but no, Anthony Perkins. Yeah, I don't know. That's difficult because I feel like that the Peeping Tom is much more of an understated film. Whereas I think Anthony Perkins' character is supposed to be pushing that a little more. Mm. So maybe he that's why he appears to be much more, uh, not flamboyant, but you know what I mean? What if they, they what if instead of Anthony Perkins for Psycho, they'd hired Anthony Daniels? Oh, well, then I, I'm afraid I'm going to have to murder you, <laughs> Exactly. Miss. Wouldn't that have been so much better? Uh, oh, you're, you're in the shower. <laughs> oh, here I come with a knife. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. That's how he did that. That's how he did it. He just did it under his breath. No, I mean, R2 is there watching. All right, so this is R2 little, is the toilet. We 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 get a longy here, um, and then uh, you know you can you can make up. Our, or you can read a couple comments. Our uh, uh, commenter number one, Sharon Horowat, leaving us with a mouthful here, Brendan. So why don't you go ahead and chew through this? <laughs> All right, commenter number one with a bullet. Sharon Horwat says... You're going to kill her? I mean, we'll see how don't, this night no, goes. No, don't kill our number one commenter. Guy, guys, <laughs> listeners, let's just, just play this by ear. Right. Let's see what happens. Watch out, Sharon. Please, be careful. <laughs> please, please. I get an officer at my door next week. Uh, did you make a threat on the internet? <laughs> Everybody does that! <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Sharon says, There are a lot of things to enjoy about this movie. Carl Bohm is great. Moira Shearer's screen time, though limited, is great. Anna Massey is such a sweetheart. I adore her. Compared to horror movies today, it seems quite quaint. Heck, even compared to Psycho, it seems toned down in terms of gore and violence. If you read Mark's murders in the movie as having a sexual connotation, mm-hmm. I can see how that was controversial at the time. I didn't read it that way, but I can see how one might. I agree with Sharon. I also didn't read it that way. One thing I thought was funny, she says, the pinup photos being put in a bag that says educational books is definitely the analog version of putting porn in a folder on your computer and labeling it as tax stuff. Um, also, the line where Mark says he has never really known what privacy was like when he was growing up has aged really well, as many Gen Zers have no memories of a life without the internet. I also think it's really funny how Michael Powell's son played baby Mark in the movie, which I did not know. That's very interesting because Michael Powell played the father. Jesus Christ. But listen to this, though. (laughs) Critics at the time were like, this is child abuse. And his son responded, LOL, get over yourselves. (laughs) Uh, Sorry for so many thoughts. Never apologize for your thoughts, Sharon. That's right. We love hearing from you. Yes. um, I love that fact about the kid. And I love that critics wanted to like... Put this like, oh, that was abuse, and his son was like, "Fuck off." My hope is that they had a grand old time on the set that day, as his dad was like, "Okay, we're going to do some really silly stuff, so uh, I need you to pretend to cry." Yeah, and I'm sure, like, if there had been issues, we would have heard about it by now. I hope so. Like, I think that would be a book. It would be like uh, Powell Dearest. I, uh, by the way, I wanted to point out, like, I'm no I'm, coat hangers. I wanted to say that wire uh, coat hangers. I was pretty sure this was all about sex for him. Pretty much since See, the I didn't think it at all. I got that. I got the real vibe that we weren't seeing it on screen, but he was definitely beating off to those those films that he took. Because I, why else would he take them? His, he, you couldn't get porn in those days, right? I, well, no, in but the I same mean, way. The whole, I mean, you could. You'd go to the newsagent. I mean, the whole movie is him wanting to see people's fear, though, because that's yeah, what his dad did. Yeah, because it gets him off. No, I don't think so. Makes I think him, you're makes him real solid. I think you're putting too much into that. You saw the look in his eyes, Brendan. His no. eyes. But he's so sexless. I just don't see him that way. He doesn't even know how to kiss her. When she kisses him, he doesn't even know what to do. He may not know how to kiss Brendan, but he knows how to come. On that disgusting <laughs> note, Jason, what's our next comment? Well, Davey Morrison is going to bring us back to reality here. And Davey says, One of many Powell masterpieces with its reflexive interest in filmmaking is a voyeuristic, violent, and at least potentially destructive act. 
It feels like a disturbing coda to a magnificent career. Even if Powell would still go on to direct a number of films after it, albeit with much more difficulty and fewer resources at his disposal. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. This movie's so good, and it ruined this guy's career. It's it's, it's insane fucked. to think about. You take the next one, too. Tom Chapman simply says, I don't like the name. And I brought... I, took that one because i actually when he when he mentioned that kind of was like oh whatever that's that's fine and then i thought about it i was like you know what it's not a great name it it is it is a name that uh, would probably turn off potential viewers for sure and i'm sure that probably helped contribute to its controversy and Uh, it i guess and it does give a specific like image of like oh this dude is looking at naked ladies and jerking off well that's what i mean if we're talking about like the whole thing with the um with the sexual connotations having it called peeping tom definitely adds to that Mm. image but I, I also agree, though, that it doesn't really fit with... It doesn't fully fit with the movie, I don't think. Yeah. But Henry Giardina... Actually, you go ahead. Henry Giardina says, Obsessed with this movie. I often quote, Do you know what the more terrifying thing in the... Or the most terrifying thing in the world is? Fear. To literally anyone and everyone. And that's why people think I'm insane. Yes, Henry, they do. But good reference. I hope that when you're walking down the street someday, you say that and there's one person that gets it and, and they will laugh so hard. My goal is to have someone that listens to this show just randomly reference like the go between like mm-hmm. you did when you <laughs> showed up on my other podcast. And I laugh for like a minute mm-hmm. um, because I want someone to do that in real life. And or, just or, like, can... or like having uh, Don't Look Now referenced on Rick and Nor- Morty uh, uh, destroyed me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So Julian Oldham says, not quite up there with some of the 40s Powell and Pressburgers for me, but it is wonderful. It's fascinating to think about this as the start of British 60s cinema as a counterpoint to Psycho and other more famous 1960 films, and of course as the film that ruined Powell's career. But even forgetting all that, it's a claustrophobic and gorgeous masterpiece, and there's so much life in Moira Shearer's performance that it's joyous to watch well until it isn't. (laughs) Absolutely. Because that life gets drained. Yeah. Our final comment today comes from the former doctor, Andrew Littlefield. Oh, here you go. And Andrew says, dark, beautiful, and very creepy. I was lucky enough to see a revival of this at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. (gasps) Wow. And I loved it. The lack of gore dates it, but who cares? Yeah. If you see a horror movie before, like, 1970, you you can't go in expecting gore. Unless it's, like, Italian. But that's what I mean. Like, you might get it. But you can't go in expecting no, it. No, no, certainly not. But if you're lucky, you might get some titties. <laughs> did we? I and mean, we did we get any in that one? I don't remember. Was there at least one pair? Maybe did peeping Tom. Yeah, yeah we got it a was couple, the first. We? Well, no, it was three. one. We got three of them. No, it was one person. Okay, this is not Total Recall. Oh. <laughs> and it was the first. No, we talked about it, it was the first uh, nudity in a British film. Right. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So check that out, folks. Enjoy it. It's very quick. It's not worth watching. If you don't like the movie, don't watch it. If you have very few resources at your disposal. <laughs> don't, don't subscribe to an account on the Criterion channel. Get the free trial. Watch part of Peeping Tom until you get to the boobs and then delete your account. Although, you know what? I bet you there's more boobs on uh, Criterion, so check it out. Is Hackers on there? It should be. No. Someday. Someday. Uh, that's the goal. That's the dream. That is the dream. Um, so, Jason, we actually did talk about this last uh, mm. last time when we talked about Peeping Tom. Because Stephen Izzy wanted to hear it. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Um, but we're going to talk about it anyway. We compare this movie to uh, the, the number on the AFI Top 100. So this was 78 yep. on the BFI. And 78 on the AFI Top 100 is Modern Times, a Charlie yes. Chaplin film. Yes, which I had not seen. <laughs> I am shocked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I saw I saw the the Great Dictator. That's a sweet movie. Yeah, there you go. Not on the AFI. I also watched uh, the first like thirty minutes of uh, 
Duck Soup the other day. Duck Soup is fantastic. It was, it was really funny. You when need to I saw finish it. that movie. It's great. <laughs> um, so okay, so by default, I guess you got to say Peeping. I got to say Peeping Tom. I would say Peeping Tom too, with a caveat. Modern Times is really good. Yeah, and everyone should watch it because it's. I, I I when I first saw a Charlie Chaplin movie when I was about to see it, I I kind of like went, <sighs> okay, whatever. Here we go, silent film. Uh, it's gonna be you okay. know. Is Modern Times silent? It is. Yeah, okay. it's gonna be great, but like you know, whatever. Um, but it, Charlie Chaplin films are very entertaining and they're not like, there's no dead spots. There must be a reason we still talk about them. I, I would agree yeah. that, like the great dictator, which I think is the one Chaplin film I've seen is yeah. also very entertaining. The, I think the reason why you thought modern times may not be uh, a silent film is because it was made in 1936. Oh, okay. So silent films were later. Yeah. Well, no, but silent films were a thing of the past in 1936. That was almost a retro thing for him to do at that yeah. point. Weird. Cause he's like, nobody needs sound. Sound is dead. And it wouldn't be until, uh, what was that movie? Silent movie. Was that the Mel Brooks one? He was the, uh, Martin Scorsese, Marvel uh, of his day. Yeah, he was absolutely. <laughs> but that's it, Jason. We need to talk about we need to talk about this week's film because we are talking about uh, movies that are kind of related ish to the BFI Top 100 list. So let's talk about the remake of Alfie. Alfie. What's it all about? What's it all about? Alfie. Alfie. What's it all about? After that weird mishmash of the Alfie theme uh, done by a number of artists and then some uh, generic uh, 2000s rom-com music, that can only mean one thing, Jason. See, I liked it. It was bouncy, kind of 60s, like jazzy, kind of bassy shit. Although, I think there was a missed opportunity. If they'd have made this movie like seven years earlier, they had the opportunity to like segue like, What's it all about, Alfie? It could have gone right into some hardcore techno, and then it could have opened up with Alfie fucking that chick in the car. I mean, did you just say 70 years earlier? No, no, seven, seven. Oh. I figured, like, like 1997 would be a good time for that sort of, like, pounding. Oh, okay. Kind of. I was like, if this movie was made in 1934, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, this movie is uh, the 2004 remake of the original Alfie, which was released in 1966, which was number 33 on the BFI Top 100. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie... This movie stars Jude Law in the title role as Alfie Elkins Jr. That name may be uh, significant, so just keep that in mind. All right. Uh, And then a number of talented actresses playing his many ladies. We have Marissa Tomei as Julie. We have Susan Sarandon as Liz. Uh, Jane Krakowski, who you probably know mostly from 30 Rock as Jenna, Mm -hmm. uh, playing Dory. We have uh, Omar Epps as Marlon, not one of his ladies. He's just also in the movie. Uh, we have Nia Long as Lynette. Uh, and Sienna Miller, oh, Sienna Miller mm-hmm. as Mickey. And a black and white photograph cameo from Michael Caine. <laughs> of course. As Alfie, uh, was representing Alfie Elkins Sr. 
So my question right off the bat is, Jason, is this a sequel? And is this son of Alfie? Because his name is Alfie Elkins Jr. Well, and does that mean that Jude Law is that, that little baby from the Alfie, the, the one that he left with the girl? Or is he the aborted fetus? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well we, we said that Anthony Hopkins was going to play the aborted fetus, that's right? right? Yeah, so, so that's but I guess right. they recast it with Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony I mean, Hopkins was like, no, I, I, I'll step back. you got to have a young, sexy face That's to play right. that aborted Absolutely, fetus. absolutely. Good and lord. Trigger warning on this episode. Uh, yes. Uh, and Jude Law in fine form in this movie. Uh, looking looking well. Yeah. 2004 Jude Law. This is right around Road to Perdition. So 2004 Jude Law. I just want to set the stage for a second, okay? Mm. 2004 Jude Law. The big, the biggest thing that came out of this year was the fact that Jude Law was in six fucking movies. Wow. Okay, he was in six movies in two thousand four. Hit me with them. Uh, he was well in this order. He was in I Heard Huckabees. Okay. This. Okay. Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Classic. Closer. Okay. The Aviator. Yep. And mm-hmm. Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. And Alfie. Yeah, Alfie. Alfie was the second one of the year. Wow. So he was in all of these. None of them were none of these movies were really that successful. The Aviator did fine, but like Scorsese, right? Yeah. Um but but what I remember Jude Law. Sky Loft, Captain was a pioneering film with Angelina Jolie in a hot ass uniform. And it bombed horribly. Oh, it did. Yes, and it should have because it wasn't very good. But but it was the and remember folks, it was the movie that resurrected uh Sir Lawrence Olivier from the dead to play the bad guy. <laughs> good lord. Um but all of this leads to my remembrance of Jude Law in 2004 was being the butt of a joke at the Oscars. Okay, you can't get a star. Wait. If you want Tom Cruise and all you can get is Jude Law, wait. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Okay, who is Jude Law? Why is he in every movie I have seen the last four years? He's in everything. Even the movies he's not acting in. If you look at the credits, he made cupcakes or something. He's in everything. He's gay. He's straight. He's American. He's British. Next year, he's playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the movie. <laughs> so there you go. So he's the butt of that joke. But luckily, Jason, we had someone to come to old Jude's defense later that night. Forgive my compromised sense of humor, but I did want to answer our host question about who Jude Law is. He's, he's one of our finest actors, and, and what, what Jude and all other talented actors know is that for every greatly talented actor, there are five actresses who are nothing short of magic. I mean, now I think his math there was that one talented actor is as good as five talented actresses. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just want I just want to point that out. Firstly, yeah. now the secondly, that is I think that is like the one of the first times we heard Sean Penn truly have no sense of humor. Well, yeah, and it seems like it's been a running theme in his life. Is he like the modern Peter Sellers? I mean, except for the fact that he only did the one comedic role. Well, no, he was in that movie about nuns, wasn't he? He was in Fast Times. Yeah, Fast Times. But he wasn't he also in a movie about nuns, like Nuns on the Run or something? I think you're thinking of Eric Idle. Well, I know Eric Idle was in a movie about nuns, but I think Sean Penn was also in a movie about nuns. Mm, brother act. Maybe. Milk. That's the hope. But yes, uh, famously humorless. And I'm sure Jude Law even was like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm cool. Yeah. I got this. Although Chris Rock did later say he regretted uh, poking fun at Jude Law. Well, why not? Jude Law is perfectly poke funnable. I think he just liked him. No, he's a nice guy. So anyway, yeah, so I just wanted to start that out by saying this was the year of Jude. The year of Jude had just begun. This is the second movie he's in this year. And they say, you know what? Jude, 
You're going to be in an Alfie remake. That's what the world has been waiting for, for the revival of a 1960s Michael Caine movie that mostly just the UK saw. Yeah, yeah, weird. But it seems to me, based on the watch of this movie, that it was made by uh, 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 a director that did have a lot of reference to the original movie, but also wasn't just straight up attempting to just, you know... Director's, Gus Van Santen. Yeah, director's name is Charles Shire. Yes. Charles Shire. Directed a number of things, and once... Uh, what did I read on Wikipedia? He once was filming a movie, and somebody wandered into the shot, and he, like, threatened to sue them. Oh, okay. <laughs> or something? I don't know what it was. Sounds like a lovely man. <laughs> um, I thought, I'm surprised you didn't make a Hobbit joke when I said his last name was Shire. Shire, yes. Well, I guess I'm not as much of a Lord of the Rings nerd as you'd like me to be. That's my that's my dream. Every week we talk, I'm like, gotta get him hooked on Two Towers this week, then Return of the King, then we go into the Hobbit movies. I saw the movies, and I read most of the books, and they were, uh, honestly, pretty boring. You can leave. <laughs> I respect them. I just didn't really enjoy them. So, Jason, this is a modern remake of, of Alfie. You said this is one of the ones you were actually the most interested in how they would kind of change yeah. some of the dynamics. Yeah, I was interested to see how exactly they would go about modernizing the uh, the film. and But also, at the same time, I was kind of hesitant because I thought this felt like just such a generic, like, 2004, like, it's, we're going to watch Alfie, and then, then we'll watch, uh, what's that other one, with the Dudley Moore remake? Arthur, that's it. Ar- we'll watch, and then we'll watch Arthur with fucking Russell uh, Brand. Okay. And then the, the, you could buy these movies in a two pack. I bet. <laughs> so I thought, oh, is this going to be another dumb remake? But it actually was kind of interesting on its own merits. Yeah. Well, let's let's. I mean, the first big thing is that we're not in London. No, that's a big change. And that was a that was that took me a second. Yeah. Because there are there are they did film some of the stuff in London. Actually, most of the stuff. So when they show like the little streets and stuff and the little houses, I'm like, oh, they're in London. And I wondered for a while. I was like, why why are there so many American characters in this movie? Why is Sienna Miller? Yeah, you you didn't notice like the shot that had like the the Sears Tower in it. And, uh... Well, no, that stuff. <laughs> yes, but I mean, there's so much stuff that was filmed in London. Yeah. But, and I'm like, why do people like? Were Sienna... you reckon? Would you did you find it recognizably London? Because I didn't. Yeah, I did, oh. after having watched well, all these movies. You're more worldly than me, apparently, or have a better eye for detail. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> um, but no, but like it's weird. it was weird for me at first to see like Sienna Miller mm. doing like an American accent. I'm like, why doesn't she just... Why isn't she just whatever? Like, why isn't she just doing her regular accent? And then I was Is like... Is she British? Oh, it's in America. Yeah. We're all living in America. It's wonderful. America. Speaking of racist caricatures, can we talk about Wing to start this off? Wing, well, okay, let's let's be fair. This is the guy that played Long Duck Dong or whatever in the fucking. Oh uh, no, it isn't. Yeah, it is. It is <laughs> in uh, in Sixteen Candles. So, All right. Well, it, let's just let's just say. Right I just have to that. assume this is how this guy talks. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I to, don't ever say that again. That's terrible. <laughs> maybe um, it is though. Maybe, but I have to say, oh, I'm not just talking about the way he talks. Oh, so. Okay. Um, I have to say before we talk about Wing, we just got to say real quick. This plot is essentially the same. We'll get into some of the. Different differences but it's essentially the same now wing yes wing is the uh um, alfie's boss he runs the limo company that alfie works for as alfie does in the original works mm-hmm. for a limo company yeah i don't think we ever see alfie's boss though do we uh very briefly okay yeah but yeah he's alfie's boss and he is uh i don't know i feel like he's a bit of a caricature he does come off as a bit of a, a caricature and he's just he's but it's partly an asian caricature but also partly he's just a shitty boss character who is being very mean to his wife why don't we let the listeners decide? Yeah, you, you decide. Alfie, why is there no story in car number two? I have no idea. Oi, I gotta watch this guy like a hawk. <laughs> that little chap's name is Wing, my boss. 
and owner of this tragic enterprise. Wipe down cup good. Owner that is till me and Marlon swing alone and buy it out from underneath his scrawny. Hello, you miss bird shit. Wing. Ah. Sparking mad. Check out the way he talks to the little woman. She's given him her best years, cooked his chop suey, helped with the business, and I bet at one time he couldn't wait to rip off her kimono. And now look at him. And I'm supposed to respect the institution of marriage. So Alfie is a little racist in talking about Wing, for well, that, sure. Well, but I mean, that's that's in the screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They wrote that down. Somebody wrote that down. No, no, like, Alfie came up with that on the spot. Oh, okay. That's a gym. Jude Law was like, I'm yeah. going to improv some racist <laughs> shit. Do exactly. you guys mind? Because, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Wing is just Asian as far as we know. We don't know any specifics of where he might be from. Wing sounds like a Chinese name to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then he says rip off her kimono, which is clearly a Japanese term. I mean, are you surprised that a film released in 2004 would mix Chinese and Japanese customs? Yeah, that's, it's, if they made this movie today, they would probably cast somebody like Randall Park and just be like, yeah, you're the business guy, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, 2004, whatever. Wing, he's a character, he's a caricature, kind of borderline stereotypical. Yeah. Um, but I think his role in the movie is kind of interesting because we see Alfie and we talked about this when we talked about the original Alfie, but he sees all these like broken relationships around him. Right. Yes. We have, this is the first one that he, that he sees yes. or that the first, not the first one that we see, but it's one of the first ones in the movie. The other one is his buddy Marlon hmm. played by Omar Epps. Who's on the outs with, uh, with Lynette played yeah. by Nia Long because he won't commit. He wants to do, get into this business enterprise with Alfie. Um, she wants, you know, she wants, some marriage she wants yeah. kids and all this and so alfie obviously has this skewed view of relationships yes. that this just fuels it right yeah and and it, it he angles into it in the way of like rather than trying to take lessons from his friends failed relationships and use them to to build his own he instead goes the other way and is like i'm just not going to get myself entangled in these uh european wars as it were i'm just gonna you know do my own thing i'm just gonna march around and take what I want and live off the land and occasionally invade Sardinia. I'm pretty sure that's what he says in the movie. Yeah, almost uh, word verbatim. Word, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he sees all these relationships. He's, he, and it, it, it kind of just pushes forward his own belief is that, you know, you go from woman to woman, baby. Yeah, that's right. And the main thing I want to get at here, because obviously we're going to talk about the character of Alfie a lot more than anyone else, because he's in the, I'm pretty sure Jude Law is in every single scene in this movie. Yeah, there's no B-plot. Yeah. This movie is. This movie has softened that character considerably. Yes, absolutely. Like, he is still an asshole. He's an asshole, and I think he's just as cynical. Yeah, but I feel like he learns a little more by the end of the movie. Well, we'll get. Uh, yeah, we'll debate about that. But I do think he's a nicer guy established from the beginning, or at least gives off that appearance when we hear his little conversation with the older lady in his building. Are you the little elf that left these mocha bonbons on my doorstep? No, 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 no. You must have a secret admirer, Mrs. Schnittmann. You are such a doll, Alfie. But I'm supposed to be on a diet. Oh, on a diet? A diet? You? Yeah. I don't mean to be forward, Lou, but you should know by now that a full-figured girl like yourself is every guy's secret fantasy. So she's a tub of lard. The ship's already sailed, so why not make her feel good about herself? Right? Oh, Lou, 
Yes, Angel. I'm working the night spot at the moment, and my apartment is a horror show, so I'm sorry if I keep you up with the dust busting at 2 a.m. Oh, don't you worry. I'll give it a quick straighten. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't need to do that. Nonsense. I like doing things for you, Alfie. I'm a blessed man having you in my life. Thank you. Keys are in the usual spot. I, I So right there, he's still manipulative. He's manipulative and he's shitty. He's he's not quite to the level of Michael Caine's Alfie because he doesn't refer to ladies as it. He does uh, in one scene. <laughs> oh, does he? Yes, because when he's talking about his buddy Marlon, he says uh, Marlon had a problem. Its name was Lynette. Okay, well, yes, that, that, that yes, you, but I, I wonder if that was a specific callback to the original or if that's just it, it being the problem. I don't know, I don't know, just saying. I, I also think it's a change of sensibility, though. Like, yeah. I feel like a character like Michael Caine's Alfie yeah. would not believably pick up women now. A character like Michael Caine's Alfie would get arrested mm. for harassing women, I'm sure. Or he would be being real in a second. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, he, anyway, so he does refer to Lynette as that word, which I thought was interesting. Mm. So there's some differences, obviously, in this movie in terms of the plot. We talked about Marlon. Yes. What do you think about the inclusion of Marlon? Because for me, it kind of reminds me of when in the original Alfie goes to, like, the halfway home. Yeah. And he meets up with a guy who becomes his friend. Yeah. Careful. That's like, no. <laughs> he meets up with a guy who becomes his friend and then ends up hooking up, like, shacking up he with his wife. his wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like how you put it out more elegantly than I can muster. I'm straightforward, Brendan. I want people to know what I mean. Uh, but he fucks his wife. And, uh, you know, and then there's no really fallback to that, though. Like, well, there's the abortion scene, obviously, but he doesn't go back to the guy. Like, there's no, like, he's like, did you fuck my wife? No. Did you fuck my wife? There's no raging bull scene. No. Um, but we do, we do get a confrontation in this one. Not even a confrontation, but like a moment. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Not the moment you think it will be. But um, so it's interesting in this one that this is like his good friend mm. and they play it up as like. But but you notice in this one, it's not the dude's wife. Lynette is his ex-girlfriend at the time. Yes. Then they're kind of on the outs. So I'm wondering, does the movie think that we won't be as mad at Alfie if it's his ex-girlfriend? Because... Well, it's it it because he has that out to be like you know he, he could pull the we were on a break yeah or, or you you were on a break you you and me friend we were on a break so I could fuck your ex girlfriend I guess so I mean I don't think there's anything morally wrong with what he did but it, it from objectively but then again he did know that the guy was trying to get back with her but at yeah. the same time she's her own woman she can do whatever the fuck she wants his, his whether he's trying to get back with her or not is irrelevant. She is her own woman. She has her own agency. If she wants to have sex with Alfie, that's her business. Yeah, no, this is not a rape scene or anything. Yeah. But my, my question, though, is do you think the movie, like the writers, the producer, director, whatever, is like if we make this so that they're on a break and then he fucks her and whatever, people won't hate him as much? It, yeah, I could see that. Because, yeah, I mean, if, if this were the original, he would just be married to her as he was. And, and with his butt, he fucked his friend's wife. Like, I, I mean, I do think in the original, they just kind of went for it. They're like, we're going to make him like this. And if people don't like him, I don't know. Mm. Well, they'll tell you. <laughs> They just kind of went for it. Yeah, it is an interesting, subtle change to make. I feel like there is a little bit of restraint in this movie to push him over the top. I feel like that might be the worst thing he does. Also, to follow that up, because we we had, um, obviously, that that abortion scene in the original film. Mm. There is, that does occur in this movie with Lynette, because they have their one-night stand, and she says, oh, I'm pregnant. Yeah. Um, But it's not a matter of, like, Michael Caine being like, I'm not paying for it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, he's not quite as callous about it. Clinic. Yeah, he takes he, her there, he drops her off, and he waits outside. Well, he asks her if she, if he wa- she wants him to go in, and she mm-hmm. says no. So he respects her decision. Um, and then, of course, later we get the twist later where 
she did have the kid. She never she actually got that, that abortion. She kept that baby. Yeah. But that's kind of the, the that's one of the key questions I think about this movie, or, or just in comparisons. What's it all about? Yeah, what is it all about? And and it's clear that the original movie was trying, I believe, for some form of social commentary of the era. But I don't know that this movie's doing the same. Like this movie doesn't feel like it's trying to have that edge to it. No, it feels like it's trying to take that idea and turn it into something more palatable for a modern audience. I think this movie still takes the idea that this starts out as a sex romp. Hmm. That and then the second half are the consequences. That's true. If, if you're expecting, like, based on the yeah, the first half of this movie, it's very jaunty and sex rompy, and you know he's working his way through society, as it were. But unlike unlike the original, though, I feel like that one was a lot more divided. That one was like, yeah, the happy go lucky stuff. Boom, the, the consequences. I feel like this one it kind of jumps around a little bit. It does. Like, I feel like, you know, we even get the scare. We even get the hospital scare. We even get the same shot where he looks out the window in the hospital and sees the sees, funeral yeah. funeral march. Um, and, and you know, in this one, he has, like, a like a cancer scare. Like, they think he has a lump on his on his dick. On his wiener. On his wiener. I believe he makes the appropriate a, term. He makes a joke that ages tremendously when the doctor says that his name is Miranda. And he's like, oh, a male penis doctor with a little bit of she thrown in. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange character too this just weird this and the, i don't think the dude that plays him is german or anything he just did this weird german doctor character it was a weird accent it felt very cartoonish in the midst of this film <laughs> it was an odd choice not not that this film is like super serious or anything but like yeah it was an odd choice also i did think it was weird that they changed it to uh a male character in this one yeah instead of because a lady doctor, in the original yeah. i thought the, the idea that they had a female was so interesting maybe that was i think that was part of the social commentary uh, approach of it yeah. In this one, they went with the funny character. I guess Tom <laughs> Lennon wasn't available, so they had to hire this guy. They're like, listen, in the original, we made some social statement. In this one, we just like a goofy voice. That's right. <laughs> it's like a goofy voice. For American audiences, we got to have a goofy voice. <laughs> um, I'll tell you one big scene that really doesn't work for me. Tell me. I'm going to play it first. Though. All right. And when you're old, you learn to be patient. Yeah. Used to be I never had time for nothing. Go, go, go. I know that feeling. Yeah. My wife was always hocking me to take a little vacation. Hawaii, Reno. <laughs> I always said, next year, every next year. I got too much on my platter. I always thought I'd have more time. Then one Sunday night, she, uh, she takes the pot roast out of the oven, yells soups on and slumps to the kitchen floor. Just like that. Dead as disco. Jesus, I'm sorry. Yeah. I tried picking up the pieces. Even went to Waikiki alone on the eight-day cruise package she was always yakking about. Couldn't get Evie out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. There's two things I learned in life, kid. You find someone to love and live every day as though we are last. She's all yours, Alfie. Enjoy. You're all right, son? Yeah. I hope so. Look, if you ever get uh, bored to feel like schmoozing, give me a holler. Ah, you'll never call. Maybe I will. All right, good. We'll go to a bar together. Hit on some chicks. Damn right. Thanks, Joe. I'm I'm sorry about Evie. We uh, we weren't all that fond of each other. 
But we were very close. This is the most bullshit heavy-handed scene <laughs> to me. Like, I get exactly what they're doing. Yes. I know that this is like, I'm assuming this is like Jude Law looking at like, oh, this is what I could become. This is Clarence. Or, or this is um, what I could become if I end up like settling down. So I better just keep doing what I'm doing. Mm. So that's what I feel like this scene is kind of muddy too because I'm not really sure what, if it's either that or that. They don't really... I don't know. It just—it's it, an element that was not in the original. Alfie doesn't have an older person that really like, like an old, I guess an older male figure to impart some wisdom to him from his uh, own life. Because this is a, a different Alfie. This is an Alfie that is willing to be a little more reflective than his uh, his father. <laughs> don't you also feel like that role should have been Michael Caine in a cameo? That would have been lovely. Yeah. I actually thought about that watching, and I was like, I wonder if they tried. Yeah. I wonder if they tried to get Michael Caine. He's like. Well, I already got my boat from Jaws of Revenge, so I don't need it. I don't need it. Don't need it. Alfie's dead. He died of AIDS in 1992. Mm. Yeah. And the classic son of Alfie. Yeah. (laughs) But then you get another scene later with Joe, too, where he's, like, reflecting on everything. And I just, I don't know, I feel those scenes are, like... The, the the writer the you know the writers or the director whoever we can't blame the writers fully because we don't know if this was in the original script but whoever put those scenes in the movie I feel like they have little very little confidence in people watching the movie that they don't get it or they had just watched the Legend of Bagger Vance and thought that's a good idea Let's if have only a wise we can, old character if only we could get a black guy only we could get Will Smith they yeah. tried but he was too busy doing Jersey Girl. Yeah, oh, good, good call. <laughs> Thank you. I love, my, I love my Kevin Smith. He was too busy filling in last minute for Bruce Willis, <laughs> Jersey Girl. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. Those scenes. What do you think of that character? Joe, I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's clearly an excuse to, to impart Alfie with some wisdom that, that the original Alfie did not have to maybe, again, maybe softening his edge a bit uh, yeah. by listening to his elder's advice. And I just feel like he's saying things out loud that we don't necessarily mm. need to hear. Like, we're like, yo, no, we get it. We're following the movie. It's like it's like when a script explains things to you or they do too much mm. exposition. It's like, all right, yeah, I know. I'm not stupid. I'm able to follow this. Like, if I'm watching L.A. Confidential, fuck, stop every five minutes and tell me what's going on because <laughs> that movie's a mile a minute. But, like, I think I can follow Alfie. Well, I, I will say, though, I do like the line at the end of the scene when he says, you know, we, we weren't fond of each other, but we were very close, if you know what I mean. Like... That was an interesting, interesting way to say it. Like this, this couple that they'd been together for so long, and maybe they didn't really like each other as much, but they needed each other. Yeah, that they were just they were just two peas in a pod, no matter what happened. And I guess that's um, that's Alfie thinking. See again, I don't know if that's Alfie, if that's supposed to be compared to like Alfie just like finally just picking one of his ladies and being like, all right, we're we're together now. If that's yeah. what he's thinking might happen, or. <laughs> or he makes, or maybe he think thinking if he makes the wrong choice. Mm. Well, well, I think part of it is just to treat is that he just needs to treat people better overall. I think that's yeah. part of his problem is that he could be this palling around single guy if he just treated women better and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And maybe if he just dated one at a time. Yeah, yeah, that would be that'd be good too. Oh, or just be open and clear about what he's about. That's the thing. I don't think uh, Alfie has the honesty of a Tinder page. <laughs> You know, he doesn't post what he's into, what he's looking for. It's Casually like, I'm just encounters. looking for casual sex. That's it. That should be the first thing he says. Now, I know he one of the first things he likes to say is, oh, I should have an invisible sign on me that says uncommitted uh, or not committing. Yeah. But uh, uh, you need to be even clearer than that. You need to be like, I'm just down for downtown. He's down to clown. I'm down to clown. And then it's back to town. <laughs> <laughs> down to clown, back to town. I like that. Is that your new slogan? That's my new slogan. Down to clown, then back to town. Katrina, you listening? <laughs> 
It'll be our first T-shirt. <laughs> um, why don't we talk about the female characters in this movie? Because I feel like they get a little bit of a short shrift as compared mm. to the original one. Well, they churn through them. Uh, Except for one. I do, I do want to say that one of them we'll get to, but yes. I think one of them has a good little arc. But well, we, like his his initial girlfriend gets a little bit of screen time. The Jane Krakowski. Yes. No. Jeff. No. No. That's no. Not she gets. She gets. She's the. She's the bookend. She's the bookend. Like from like the girl from the original. No, I was one. saying Jen. Is that her name? The the girl that he's kind of living with. Oh, has the kid. Uh, Julie. Julie. Played yeah, by yeah. Marissa Tomei. She gets a little bit of room there, Marissa Tomei. Yeah. And we see her a couple times oh, throughout the movie. They're all good. Yeah. I just feel like their roles are very undercooked. Yeah. Um. Jane Krakowski, I mean, being the prime example, I mean, yeah. she's in the beginning. But again, the she's playing that same role as the woman in the red dress does in the first movie, True. where we open up with Alfie banging her, and then as she comes back around at the end and kind of sends him on his way. Like I do like after they've uh, they've banged, he's like, now comes the uh, required cuddle, yes. and then he looks at his watch, says one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand. Babe, I've got to go. <laughs> got a meeting. Got a meeting. That's what he always says. He's got yeah. a meeting. Um, so yeah, Jane Krakowski, fine. She's like the you know the bookend. Um, and then we've got Julie, played by Marissa Tomei, who has a kid, who already has a kid. Yes. So this is not a situation where Alfie um, had sex with a lady, she has a kid, and he's begrudgingly staying around to do the cool dad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they've, they've changed that, thankfully. Yeah, no, he already comes in when she's a single mother, and, and he at some point makes a, makes a comment about uh, not getting entangled with single mothers. Yeah. So classic stuff, classic, classic advice. Um, but I do think that that's, again, the movie is scared that people will dislike him so much and not care about what happens to him. Yeah. And I think, I think I get it. I get it why they're doing that. But I do think that that gives the original an edge over this because I think mm. the original had more balls essentially yeah. had more guts. I shouldn't say more balls. I don't want to genderize <laughs> that shit. It had more guts to do, you know, yeah, again, because I think it was trying to do something different. I think it was trying to be more socially conscious. And if this movie had wanted to... This this movie is not a socially conscious adaptation of Alfie. This movie is a, a loving tribute to Alfie, I would say. Mm-hmm. More so. Yeah, I'd say this movie sides with Alfie a little more. Yes. Um, I mean, they, we do see like the consequences of his actions. I mean, we course. can relate to him somewhat. I mean, he's not a complete monster. He's not completely alien to us. We all... You know, we, we, we've we all had sex with hundreds of women in a given week and yeah. then worried about the consequences of, of. It just happens all the time, you know. Mm. Well, we are two men about town. That's right. You know, we've, we've, there we go. Yeah, I don't know. Again, it just goes back to the softening of Alfie in this yeah. movie. And I'm not referring to his penis, which is quite erect for most of the film. Yeah, until it, until it isn't. Right, that it leads to the cancer scare. And I, I thought, and pardon me, now I get it, Alfie's a bit of a shitbag, and I, that's understandable, but I felt like these women were very, very judgmental of his issue while he was having it. Like, they were very not understanding of the, the trials and tribulations that a man often has. He's a shitbag, and he probably deserves that judgment, but at the same time, be nicer, dude. Be nice. J- Jason, is that a is that an MRA badge on your shirt there? <laughs> Why does it say "nice guy" on look, the other look, 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 Let's just let's let's pretend you didn't see that, Jason. Why are you wearing a fedora? <laughs> it just—I think it looks—I think it looks sexy. You're a nice guy, the nicest. <laughs> You're a proud boy. No, <laughs> <laughs> too far, Brendan. Stand back and stand up. It's, yeah, whatever he said. Um, so yeah, so we get Marissa Tomei. Um, the thing with the kid has changed, obviously. Uh, who else we have? We have Susan Sarandon playing mm. the um, the older lady. Shelley Duvall. Shelley, no, no, Shelley Duvall. Shelley Winters. Shelley was... Winters. Not Shelley Long either. Shelley Winters. Shelley Winters. Right. Oh my God, she would have been like four years old. Ooh. 
Shelley Long. That movie came out oh, in yeah, 1966. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Yeah. She was a child. <laughs> that was, see, that's what I thought was really controversial Shelley, and yeah, daring yeah. about the original Alfie is that they had to romance a child at one point. <laughs> What's it all about, Alfie? It's going to jail. Well, in 1966, that was fine. <laughs> there's too many Shelleys. That's the problem. There's too many famous Shelleys in Hollywood. There's Shelley Long, there's Shelley Duvall, there's Shelley Winters. Who else am I missing? Uh, Shelley from Friday the 13th, Part Absolutely. 3. Uh, Mary Shelley of Frankenstein fame. <laughs> yeah. Too many Shelleys. Shelley, Sh- Shelley Purd Smith. Shell Silverstein. <laughs> the guy that created the Brady Bunch. Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. Absolutely. Too many Shell- Shelleys. Okay, so anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I was Shelley talking Winters? about. Shelley Winters? No, yes. Yeah, so she's playing the Shelley Winters role from yeah. the original one. Um, Susan Sarandon is. And I feel like I feel like she has, like, nothing in this movie, too. I like what she has. She's in, she's, uh, I mean, she's Susan Sarandon, so she's great. I yeah. love the little bit about, uh, uh, what's with the Pablo? And she's like, was it about a tattoo artist in Mexico or something? Or And he's like, you can change that to oh, No, Alfie. bullfighter. It was a bullfighter her, in Mexico. Her, t- the tattoo on, above her Yeah, uh, and then he's like, you can change Pablo to Alfie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's hitting on her. Yeah, oh yeah, no, and he gets up in there. And we even have the same scene uh, that we had in the original where he is like, you know, he finally makes a decision late in the movie that, oh, I guess, you know what, she's going to be the one. She's going to be the one I end up with. She and has all this money. She has all, yeah, well, yeah. And then he goes into her house and she says, oh, this is a bad time. He sees that someone else is there. We don't see that well, she's Yeah, we got don't actually man. see them in this one. So I'm assuming this extra was trying to speak and they were like, no, no, no. My, my my thought is that it's like really dark at that point because then we don't see it. It's like because then she's like, well, or he says, what what's he got that I has? And yeah. she says he's younger. So did he open the door and it's, he's like this fourteen year old kid, just like, hey, oh my god, <laughs> no, that's just Shelley Long from <laughs> Shelley Long. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a great cameo? That would have been the, the time to put the cameo in. The real twist is that she was actually having an affair with Shelley Winters. Ooh. And then and then and then Alfie says, "What she got that I don't got?" And, and she says, "A vagina," and she's older than you. Oh, damn! Credits. <laughs> What's it all about? <laughs> That's what I want to know. And then, okay, so we and then we got Lynette. Lynette is uh, uh, Marlon's. I'm, I keep wanting to say Omar because it's Omar Epps. Yeah. Marlon's like on again, off again girlfriend. Yes. Um. And, you know, they have that. We talked about the, the, what we thought was going to be an abortion scene. And, uh, and then we have Nikki, mm. my favorite in of this course. movie. I think, well, I mean, she's beautiful. She is beautiful. But I think she also has the best arc. Yeah. I think Nikki is the most interesting character because she's damaged. Yeah, she's, she's real. She's real. She's, she's damaged much like Alfie is damaged, but just different ways. And I do want to play a, the little montage that they play that they do here where um, Alfie is talking about how Nikki is damaged. And I just think it's interesting because he's kind of talking about himself too yeah. in a different way. In every doomed relationship, there comes what I like to call the uh-oh moment. When a certain little something happens and you know you've just witnessed the beginning of the end. And suddenly you stop and you think, uh-oh, iceberg ahead. With Nikki, that was the first of many uh-oh moments. It began with petty arguments, followed by random bouts of melancholia major highs and manic lows. This girl never knows when she's had one too many. 
and there have been constant displays of erratic, reckless behaviour. And thank you, no. No, I did not have insurance. But whenever I begin to feel there's little reason to go on, I'm reminded that we still have one very major thing in common. If only she didn't insist on smoking before, after, and during. I think he's an asshole. Yeah. I think during that whole montage, and I get she has problems. Like she's obviously, you know, alcoholism and stuff like that, and and yeah. some emotional problems. But he is saying all those things as if like that's the only problem in their relationship. Number one, yeah. because obviously he's still doing his thing. Yeah. No, he doesn't. He, he never ever would think of himself. No. God forbid. And, like, I mean, he clearly can't deal with her having these problems. And it's funny because he says, like, she's n- she never knows when she's had one too many. I'm like, that's exactly what you do. <laughs> like, your addiction, his addiction is obviously not alcohol. Mm. But his addiction is, you know, that he, he can't stop. Like, he just constantly, women to woman to woman. He likes the first part of a relationship, just nothing else. Yeah. It's like it's like if you were to open up, you know, a, a tub of ice cream and eat the first four bites of it and then put it back in and leave it there and then forget about it. <laughs> that ice cream never gets eaten. Isn't that the saddest thing? An uneaten tub of ice cream? Yeah, I don't like to think about it. No, me neither. Try to give me nightmares. It's things? almost as sad as the saddest scene in this movie in my mind, which is uh, when she, he finally breaks it off with her. He friggin' do we have that scene? Do we do? You want to hear it? I think we. I think we should. Um, but before, just before you play that though, um, I just want to say another thing because it's almost like it's almost like he can't like he can't help her because he can't even like help himself get yeah. over his own addiction. No, exactly. So, like, he's not. A, he's, he, he's not a. He's not a well positioned partner for her. Certainly. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's that's another thing too. They are that just based on this they will not work mm. like at all and um sexually compatible but little else yeah well they have that chemistry and that's because they were um they were possibly seeing each other at the time because they got together shortly after this movie and then jude law banged their nanny and that was the end of that oh oh yeah oh which like i am sorry you have <sighs> the wonderful the beautiful the, the the great actress the great awesome sienna miller and you ruin that What's it all about, Jude Law? You are a fucking dummy. <laughs> well, hopefully he learned a lesson like Alfie did. Maybe he went back and watched this and thought, oh, I should have paid attention to the script. <laughs> um, and and w- when we hear this scene here, this breakup scene, um, it's almost like it's it's almost like you know he realizes he can't even help himself. So how can he help her? And we'll listen to this scene. Okay, I know I have been a real handful lately. I don't know, I think it has to do a lot with me feeling displaced. I'm not totally trusting. Sweetie, cutting to the chase. I am gonna do better. I promise. I'm gonna take my medication religiously from now on and everything, everything is gonna be easy and breezy. Sound good, honey? So come, come and sit. A feast awaits. I already ate, Nick. Of course. No worries. We'll have leftovers. I can whip up a little corned beef hash for brunch. What's the matter, Alfie? 
nothing. I just... I got a lot on my mind and, um... I'm feeling a bit... What? Cold, distant, remote, what? Look, Nick, this is a complete drag. Everything happened so quickly. I'm not the best at this sort of thing. What sort of thing? don't know exactly how to say it. Sure you do, Elfie. You've had plenty of experience dumping girls. So that scene happens in the original too, kind yeah. of. Um, I'll give the movie credit. I think this one scene might surpass the one in the original. I think this is, the, like you said, it is a very sad scene, yeah. and the acting in that scene is really good. Well, that that initial burst of like, I'm really gonna try to yeah. change myself, and then being dumped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like she she's. It's almost like she's been rehearsing that all day, like how she's gonna say that to him. She's nervous about it because at first she's talking about all this food that she made, right? She's not even bringing it up, and then she said, "Okay, okay, okay." And I believe, <coughs> and I believe her in that yeah. scene. I think I do. I think I truly do. I'm wondering if Alfie is at the point where he doesn't believe her and it's because he can see himself and he's like, I would, this is how I would say it. Yeah, exactly. I would make the same plea and then just not change. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's and then she walks under the rain, gets in a cab. We don't know what happens to her, much like the original film. I'm assuming it does not go well for her. Hopefully it does, but you know. Special shout out to the scene of her chopping a cucumber while topless. Very lovely. She bears all in this movie. She does. She, yeah. she earned her paycheck. <laughs> Wow. I, I mean, I'm hoping she got a bonus is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm hoping to. Because, uh, I, I mean, that was the only the only nudity, I think, in the movie was her, was it not? Yeah. I mean, that's your R rating in, yeah. the, in America right there. Was there even any F-bombs dropped? A couple. I don't even remember. One or I'm two. I'm numb to them. But I'm not numb to titties, Brennan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you notice too as, so I mean, of course talk about Nikki um, that scene is heartbreaking but did you notice as well as the movie goes on and on as he starts to experience these kind of humbling moments he starts talking to us less hmm. like he uh, doesn't break the fourth wall as much later in the movie my theory is that it's at a point where he's like he doesn't need to say what he means because now he's just saying it out loud is it, is it a, is he becoming is is the pot is the possibility that he's straight up mentally ill by talking to us and that he gets better as the movie goes on even though he never quite lets go totally well then we've got a whole uh, we got we got a whole can of worms on that ending this then. is a whole matter of life and death thing like is it all in his head like uh, <laughs> are these women real I mean uh, let's go with no what if what if Sienna Miller is actually like her his Tyler Durden. What if Sienna Miller is really that old lady in the apartment? Because did we see Sienna Miller talk to anybody else in this movie? I don't think so. Her friends that get in his limo. Yeah, but they were all drunk, and then she got in the front seat, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did I did, uh, I did. did actually also write that down, that the chopping of the cucumber was a little bit on the nose. It was a little bit. Um, a little, but it was little, amusing. Uh, oh, no. No, that's not uh, It's a little uh, uh, Lorena Bobbitt. 
<laughs> yeah. I, was, I, oh, gee, I was gonna say John Benet Ramsey, and that was the wrong <laughs> the whole, wrong name to pull. Wow, uh, that's a whole different yeah. thing there. Um, so as he goes through the the later in the movie, uh, he's kind of at a point where he doesn't have anyone. We haven't. This is where we haven't seen like the Liz scene yet, where Susan Saran says, "You know, this guy's younger than you." Yeah. Um, but when he goes into uh, he, he sees, like, Marissa Tomei's character in a coffee shop. And, of course, mm. he pretends like he's just casually going in there. Um, and he has the, another very humbling moment. And if you want to play that, we can listen to that, too. Uh, or sure. at least part of that Julie's scene. moved on. Julie? Alfie, hi. What a surprise. God, I haven't seen you since... Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. You look... You look amazing. Thanks, you too. You look good, too. Yeah, I'm getting over a cold. Oh. But you're okay otherwise? I'm fine. I'm always fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to see you. And you. Hey, you know, I was... I'm sorry about what happened between us. And I'm sorry how it, how it all ended up. It wasn't, wasn't good. I felt bad about not seeing Max and, and about not seeing you. It's water under the bridge. Good. You know, I'm wondering, Maybe we, um, you know, I can never promise anything. Um, but if you, if you want, if you like, maybe we could see each other again. It would be okay by me. It would be more than okay. It would be, it would be great. Alfie, I... Yeah. This is Adam. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you doing, Adam? Pretty good. Adam. Yeah. <laughs> it was just it was great running into you. You look fantastic. Thanks. Time is it? I gotta go. I'm late for a meeting. Nice to meet you, Adam. That scene's really good and really and pretty sad too. But what I what I think is interesting at the end is when he says, uh, "Will you say hi to Max for me?" And the look on her face is like, "Yeah, no." Uh, yeah, and he knows right away. Like she's like, "I'm I want you kind of out of this life. I don't I don't want to bring you up to my son." Yeah. You know what I mean? And as he kind of says, "Or not." The the moment I liked, and we just kind of missed it at the beginning of this scene, but so if you remember earlier in the movie, there's a scene where he's in the bar with uh, Marlon, and they're sitting at the table, and this girl comes up, and she's like, oh, hey, Alfie, and he's like, uh, and then she's eventually Carol or whatever, and he's like, oh, Carol, how are you, whatever, and then he goes, uh, well, it's been nice seeing you, 
and she's like, and she kind of takes the hint and is like, okay, fuck this guy and walks away. Um, she does that to him in this scene. Mm-hmm. When he's talking to her, he, she's like, well, it's been real good to see you. But he doesn't take the fucking hint and then start dives into the whole, like, maybe we could get back together again. And, and he also, just to reiterate the point that I don't think he's changed, at least not by this point, is that he says, if we get back together, I mean, that would be okay by me. Yeah, exactly. Like, it just, <laughs> what? Of himself. What are you, wait, hold on a second. You don't get to decide this. Like, yeah. So it's, yeah, and, and, yeah, I never even put that together. It's good. That's a good point. Good point. And that's another... Good idea. Blam, 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 blam. Streamers. It's a real party in here today. <laughs> the movie ends in much of the same way. Yeah. As the original one. Um, he is left with basically no one. Uh, it does have another really good scene. Again, this movie is like not as... I remember it being bad. Mm. And I don't think it is no. bad. I no, would it's say not it's, bad. It's not, it's not amazing. But um, it's definitely got valid... <laughs> it's definitely got valid points. What am sure. I talking about? Yeah. It's definitely got good scenes in it. Like we, like, I mean, the, the scene with Nikki, mm-hmm. um, the scene in the, in the rest in the cafe, yep. and especially, um, and then the scene later where he goes to Marilyn and Lynette's house. Yes, and sees like the baby when he realizes, oh, you did not get an abortion; you kept this baby. And Marlon knows he knows of the affair. Mm-hmm. Like he knows that uh, Alfie had sex with Lynette, and they just have that moment. Like you, you. I, in a lesser movie, I feel like you get a stupid fight here, or you punch him or something. But you don't get that. You get Alvie and Marlon making eye contact, and Marlon, and you know, he says like, "Oh, I never meant to hurt you." He's like, "You never mean to hurt anybody, Alfie." But you well, do. But you do. And it's a good. It's a good scene. Oh yeah. And it's an emotional scene. And then of course we see Alfie crying for the mm. first time in the movie, which I don't believe we saw Michael Caine do. He uh, he punches that windshield. He does, and he cracks it he cracks it and apparently as i understand when they were filming that scene he was having trouble cracking the windshield like he couldn't actually hit it that he wasn't hitting it hard enough and the director said just pretend it's the paparazzi and on the next shot he fucking cracked it so hard they had to take a sledgehammer to knock the fucking windshield out of the car that's amazing yeah it's amazing i did not know that (laughs) let's just take a listen to this last scene uh just to uh just to kind of compare i guess and we'll then we'll talk about if he's changed if he's truly changed You know, when I look back on my little life and all the women I've known, I can't help but think about all that they've done for me and how little I've done for them. How they looked after me, cared for me, and I repaid them by never returning the favour. I used to think I had the best end of the deal. What have I got? Really? Some money in my pocket. Some nice threads. Fancy car at my disposal. And I'm single. Yeah. Unattached. Free as a bird. I don't depend on nobody. Nobody depends on me. My life's my own. But I don't have peace of mind.
And if you don't have that, you've got nothing. So... So what's the answer? That's what I keep asking myself. What's it all about? You know what I mean? So that's the debate. We talked about the last one. I think we both pretty much agree that we don't really think Michael Caine changes no. his ways. Um, do you think in this one that he does? I think he has some insight that he didn't have in the beginning. Like, I think Michael Caine's character got a little bit of insight, but then just didn't really know how to process it and just kind of trucked on as usual. I think I think this Alfie is, like you said, being a little softer. I think he has gained a little insight, but I don't know if he's necessarily on the path to a better life. He gives that impish smile at the end, you know. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like Alex at the end of A Clockwork Orange a little bit. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> I would say Michael Caine's character's lack of transformation is more realistic. Yes, though. like yes. The kind of, that kind of guy would take a. I think it would take a lot mm. to make some kind of transformation. I mean, I'd buy it that that horrifying abortion scene would do something, but mm. I was still wouldn't be surprised if he was still the same person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Whatever uh, Alfie went through in this movie, nothing was quite as dark and tragic as that. Yeah. And again, I believe Jude Law is playing that character. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we get into your bits and or Bob's, Jason, we are going to take a brief commercial break for our sponsors here on Age of Radio. So we will be right back. Do, 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 do. All right, Jason, we're back. We are back, and baby, let's get into it, bits and bobs. But before you do that, I have one more thing to say. Before we do everything. Before you, before what you, do you need to say? Before just you do say anything, it. I just want to say, you remember when we talked about in the original film uh, where uh, you know Cher did the theme song? Oh yeah, okay. Uh, in the American version, anyway. Uh-huh. And that uh, you know, well. I have a little article to read, and I'm going to read it exactly as it was written in 2004. All right. Let's take it Shocking news for Cher. Oh, my God. The singer has reportedly had her theme tune yanked from the upcoming Alfie remake after test audiences had the nerve to laugh when it played over the closing credits. Cher had kindly re-recorded the Hal David Burt Bacharach number that she sang on the original 1966 movie for inclusion in the new film, which stars Jude Law. A bittersweet tribute to the movie's hero, it opens with a lilting question, what's it all about, Alfie, before building to a final suggestion. When you walk, let your heart lead the way, and you'll find love any day, Alfie. Alfie. Now Paramount bosses are reportedly trying to persuade jazz singer Nora Jones to re-record the song in time for the film's release later this year. It ended up going to Joss Stone. That's the one who sang it. But yeah, apparently Cher's version was just laughed out of the theater. Is that out there? I imagine you must have try, tried to find it and had no luck. No, I haven't found it. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know if it's. I don't know if it's out there. Yeah, I mean, if somebody had a had a camera in the test on. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a bootleg from a test screening of Alfie <laughs> for some fucking reason, please send it to us. If you were in the test audience <laughs> for uh, the 2004 remake of Alfie and you heard the share apparently monstrosity, please tell us what it was like. Please tell us what it was like, and if you have audio. Or if you could just sing it and then send it to us. Jason, we joke, but if someone legitimately has that, yeah. that would be amazing. Yeah, we want to hear it. We want to hear it. We want to see why it was so damn funny. Yeah. Maybe I don't she, think it's Maybe funny. it was intentionally funny. Maybe she threw jokes in the middle of it. Did she Did she maybe use the auto-tune? So it was like, <laughs> What's it all about, Alfie? 
<laughs> I just think she's like T Pain. <laughs> she's a pioneer. Shawnee. Okay. Jason, it's time for bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. Oh, that's it? That's all we're getting for a theme song? <laughs> I already did it. Bits Bobs and Bits and Bobs. It's from Jason McLeod. Alfie's a bit of a, uh, uh, I think, a comic nerd because he's a very old Superman statue. Bits Bobs. And, and by very old, I mean it's a very old Superman. It's like, I, a, like a 30s era Superman statue. I mean, I think that's just to be like, he's a Superman. Is he? And he's an old school Superman. Uh, FBB. Face, boobs, and butts. Oh, yeah. I and I wonder if this was the first utterance on film of, I, just being honest. <laughs> Wait, in 2004? Yeah, I think that might have been the first time that that was ever said on film in 2004. It was just being honest. Sure. And then that, that, it's why it became a thing. Mm. I got to say, um, thank God uh, there's a gentleman like Alfie to uh, fuck Jane Krakowski's character because her husband hasn't in six months. Yeah. He, he does say, I thank God a gentleman like me will take care of her for him. Also, fun fact, uh, the husband of, or not husband, but the, the gentleman that uh, Susan Sarandon's character is hanging out with is played by Graydon Carter, of all people. Graydon Carter was, for many years, the editor of Vanity Fair magazine. Oh, there you and go. I remember reading his articles when, I worked, when we used to have magazines at the store, and I would read them for free, because we would get Vanity Fair. Magazines? What yeah. are those, I Jason? I know, it's a funny thing. Uh, I enjoy the line where he's putting the cologne on and he puts it behind his ears and he goes, I do a little, like a little splash. I do like a little splash on Big Ben. You never know where the days may take you. <laughs> that sounds like a very Michael Caine line to say. Um, I like the title on the screen was done in the same way as in the movie where he's like staring at the screen and somebody else says his name and it just pops up in capital letters, Alfie. But we don't skip the bleeding titles. No. No, we do get some titles for sure right out of the gate with that jazzy 60s retro music. Like, there's a lot of, like, 60s retro kind of editing techniques in this movie. Oh, a lot of, like, side like, pans. The slide cards, slide yeah. cards and stills and jazzy that also, music. But that also feels very 2004. It does, but it also does. I feel like it's calling back to that era a bit, even though the movie wasn't quite like that. That wasn't it, like that at all. No, it yeah. wasn't like that, but what I'm saying, it's calling back to that 60s yeah, yeah, yeah. aesthetic. Um, it makes sense to me that Alfie would have uh, would would be upset about uh, Lynette never seeing a James Bond movie. I feel like that's his hero. Yeah, <laughs> like not even a Sean Connery. He said, yeah, yeah, not even a Sean Connery. Yeah, we know how we know how James Bond uh, takes control of a situation. That's uh, woman's work. Uh, when he's when he's banging Jane Krakowski in the car, that that scene felt very reminiscent of the original, with especially with the kind of bluish lighting in the scene. Mm. It, it really did feel like that first scene. Um, this guy smokes a lot. I wonder if that's an intentional choice that Alfie? Alfie smokes a lot. That if that kind of gives him that edge of being not a good guy. I wonder if that's just Jude Law wanting to smoke. Be, well, maybe, but he also not only does he smoke, he smokes Dunhill 100. So those are some big strong cigarettes. So respect to him. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, the pier, the pier that they're on, where Jane Krakowski goes off to her husband. That looks like the exact same pier that they're on in in the, the original movie. I don't know if it is. If they filmed it in England, it's certainly possible they could have done it there. I was going to say, yeah, based on the filming location. But it's again, very they possible. were certainly calling back to that pier. Um, one thing, another bit here is I liked when uh, we talked about it a little bit, but after Alfie has sex with Lynette and Marlon is like chasing him down, we think he, f- he knows, right? We think he found he's found out already because he's just trying to ignore him. <laughs> yeah, and Alfie's like, "Do I ignore him? What do I do? I can't. I keep walking." And uh, Marlon eventually catches up to him, and he's like, "Lynette just told me she wanted me back last night. I wanted to know what you told her, man." <laughs> and and he has a moment that's like he's like, um, "Oh, see." 
I did a good deed. <laughs> I fucked a, his ex-girlfriend and now she of, wants him. A moment of perfect confluence where it's like, I solved this problem with my dick. But then yeah. when oh, when Marlon says, oh, I proposed to her, he's like, oh, no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. <laughs> like, as if like that's the, that's the wrong thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Do you notice that there's some signs in the backgrounds of this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Like Early in the movie, Wish. we see him a zero. We see Wish. We see when he's, he walks by the restaurant where um, Julia's having the birthday party for Max. It says desire over the top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just noticed them. I didn't know. I didn't put them together other than maybe representing what he's going. Like, well, like when he's zero, is that saying he's a zero? A little heavy handed. Yeah. I don't know. A little heavy handed. Uh I uh, my, uh, I thought the underwear in the garbage can was an incredibly careless and cocky move on his part. Explain the underwear in the garbage can. So he had been, he'd gotten a pair of underwear from a girl he had fucked. Jane Krakowski. Yeah, from Jane Krakowski. She had actually she had shoved it in his jacket, and while he was standing there in the kitchen with Julie, he kind of realized they were in his coat. So he just when she wasn't looking, he slipped them in the garbage. And of course, he comes back later to the house to visit her, and she won't let him in, and she fucking throws the panties in his face. That was a stupid movie. He's supposed to be suave, yeah. like what an idiot. Yeah, what a dummy. That's he, like, he, that's he, like he hit it under like he hit it under like three pieces of paper. Yeah, he didn't. Tr- he should have shoved it right. If he was gonna do it right there, he should have taken it and fucking burned it in the street or something. But instead, he shoved it like three pieces of paper into the garbage. Kept can. it in his pocket, or kept it in his pocket, taking it somewhere else, throwing yeah. it in a dumpster, giving it to a child passing by, anything, <laughs> just to get rid of it. Open the window, toss that's it. That's right. Anything you need to do. Yeah. Uh, My next uh, note is Sienna Miller is a goddess. Oh, she's yes, absolutely. She's very interactive in this movie, and and just in general, I would say, she's what? She's very attractive. Oh in this yes, movie. yes. And she and just in general, I would say. I just mean she's got the whole she's the whole package. She's uh, attractive as hell. And she, she is the Lex Luger of this movie. No, she's don't a total package. No, she's not wasted potential. <laughs> um, when he's having that threesome, he can't get it up. Which is a real shame, mm-hmm. but it's actually a very convenient situation because those ladies take care of themselves. <laughs> yeah. So he's a kind of out scot free there again. Goes to that doctor. He's got a, a a lump on his wiener. Everybody's sad. Miranda's a girl's name. Miranda's a girl's name. Absolutely. Uh, the the the. I wrote down the abortion sequence was much cleaner, so to speak, even though it, ultimately it wasn't an abortion. Yeah. But we, yeah, we didn't really They, they fake us out. They fake us out. It's a fake we, abortion. We did not hear any screams. No. <laughs> no, that would have been horrifying. Um, I, oh, one thing I do want to note, too, is um, do you notice when we, when we actually do see Alfie's flat, it's kind of a dump. Yeah. He's, it's, he never takes people back there anyways. No, but I mean, he's almost living in squalor in a way. Like, he's he's working for a limo company. I'm not saying he's poor, yeah. but he's not this high-class guy. Well, limos, you know, limo driver's not exactly the highest-paying job in the world. No, but I mean, and then and then even when he meets up with uh, Marissa Tomei later in the movie in the cafe, he's got a cold. Yeah. Like, his, he, can't afford to, he can't afford to pay his heat. Or go to the doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, should have stayed in England with the NHS, buddy. Uh, I just think, uh, I just think it's interesting that they like. Uh, it's a bit of a hypocrite that way. Not a hypocrite, but you know, phony. Yeah. It feels very phony to me. Yeah. He is a phony. He's a big fat phony. Also, he has very superficial advice for Wing when Wing's wife. Uh, it's a guy write her a poem. Yeah, and we don't <laughs> see the results of that, no. which I like because I, I bet you the results of that are nothing happens. <laughs> like, she's just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> So when he meets up Nikki for the first time, he picks up her and her friends, despite it being illegal. Hmm? He's not allowed to pick up people off the street. He's driving a limo, not a cab. That's something for cabs, not for limos. Well, I think that's what he says. He says, and then he picks them up anyways, because his dick says, pick this lady up. And he lets her sit in the front. Yeah, it makes her sit in the front. 
And she lights up a joint because she's cool. She is cool. You know what make the... <laughs> do you have a joint? It'd be a whole lot cooler if you did. <laughs> It'd be weird if Matthew McConaughey was playing uh, the part of Alfie. <laughs> All right, Alfie. Just call me Alfie. <laughs> well, I've been asking myself... What, what's it all about, <laughs> Alfie? You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what you mean. Oh, oh, oh Jimmy is. Uh, I always thought we should have been in a movie together. It would have been. It would have been. The dialogue would have taken a long time. Did you know to get my through. favorite movie character of all time is Wooderson? Oh well, thank you, man. Even better than uh, than that fella in uh, Casablanca, a buddy of mine. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, Bogart. Hold, He's better than Bogart. Hold, 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 hold on there, man. So wait, you, you you didn't think my character in How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days was the best one? Well, that one was was quite was quite good, but it was after I died, so I oh, can't yeah, choose that. Right. Wait, you were still alive when Days of Confusion? Yes, I'm pretty sure I was. Let me check. Oh, this is unprecedented. I got a ghost checking the Hey, Siri, st- when did I, Jimmy Stewart, die? July 2nd, 1997. So, yeah, I did see Days to Confused in the theater what? in 1994. Well, I don't know why I saw it three years after it came out, but, I mean, I appreciate that. I had a private screening. I was very busy for those years. Can we get these celebs out of here? You guys, can you just fuck off? We need to finish this movie. Oh! All right, so back to the movie. Uh, you met that old widower. We talked about that. Joe, good fella. A bit of a deus ex machina, old man, bagger Vance character mm-hmm. shoved in there. Mm-hmm. So he takes Sienna Miller and friends to a party. They party. Out of character, he invites her back to his place, which is a dump, as we stated. And then we see that cool montage of their Christmas uh, fling, mm-hmm. which is fun at first, but then starts to break down a bit. Yeah, very depressing. The two of them reveal themselves. I like how he's hanging out with uh, Susan Sarandon, and she suggests they drink absinthe, which strikes me as a very 2004 thing to, uh, yeah. to offer to drink. Especially talking about the hallucinogenic properties of absinthe. Yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised we didn't get like a like an animated green fairy sequence in this movie of, of Alfie just tripping balls as he's uh, drinking all this absinthe and <laughs> calling back to the, the classic hit of 2001 from hell. Oh, the classic hit. Everybody's yes. talking about From Hell. Everybody's still talking about From Hell. They're still mad about it being on a movie poster. Actually, uh, Harry Nelson uh, rewrote that song, rewrote his famous song. Uh, so now it's, everybody's talking about From Hell. Yeah. I don't hear what they're saying, because I'm too busy watching From Hell. <laughs> you really know that song? Dude loves Johnny Depp. Yeah. Uh, Dumpster handles it poorly. We talked about that. She gave him the good to see you at the cafe, water under the bridge. Yeah, she's got a girlfriend. By the way, the, or she's got a boyfriend. That boyfriend, as I pointed out while uh, we were watching the clip, is a screenwriter. What was his name? Stephen Gagan. Yeah, Stephen Gagan, who's, who like worked on, tra- like he wrote Traffic, I think, and a bunch of other movies. And he, re- weirdly enough, did like a, one of the rewrites on the island of Dr. Moreau. Huh. Like well, they brought him in as a script doctor, and I guess he went in, did some stuff, and then he was like, I'm never coming back. But I saw he, I saw him in the movie, and I'm like, who's this weirdo? And then I realized, oh, right, he's a screenwriter. He's just a normal-looking guy. He just looks at a place amongst all these movie stars. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the big thing about going to see uh, Susan Sarandon's character is that he gets her flowers after... Not like like flowers to him just being a thing you don't do as, from his perspective. He doesn't bring flowers. Flowers imply some sort of commitment. And so immediately, if he thinks that this is the woman for him, he's going to get her flowers. He don't bring me flowers. You don't write me love songs. But I mean, he brought her flowers. He did not write her a love song, though. 
But he Dang arranged it. them carefully with a totally not stereotypically gay character. With a, with a lazy eye. Shop. What? <laughs> okay, that's... Maybe that actor has a lazy eye. No, that's, that's <laughs> this movie looking for a cheap joke. That, that's where this movie falters a little bit for me, is there are so many... There are quite a few moments where I'm like, okay, why... The sentiment is good. Why are we doing also doing this? Like, there's some stuff like that that kind of... Last bit and Bob. Okay. I did not like that montage over the final narration or the music. I wish they had have just cut that and just had Jude Law, like, with silence or the sound of the city around him, just deliver that final monologue. You didn't... Oh, no, no, when he's doing the flashback. No, yeah, that was when, bullshit. When we're, when we're, it was like, of all the people I've met in my life, it's like, that's fine, but, like, the, the, the pictures, we don't need to see those women. We already saw them in the movie. Again... It's another moment where a screenplay thinks we're stupid. Yeah. Where we're not paying attention. Yeah, and it's no, like, we, no, we, I know who they are. We saw the movie. We know who they We've are. We just watched the yeah. film. <laughs> we're, we're good. Um, I mean, I guess if I had paused the movie 10 minutes before the end and then waited a couple days and then came back, that certainly would have been helpful. Well, that's the only way I watch movies. Yeah, no, I watch uh, the first 85%, yeah. pause it, you know, do whatever for three Let days. Let it roll around in your head. Well, I usually go on a bender. Yeah. Um, and then three days I'll come back and watch the last ten minutes. And if it doesn't have a recap of the previous 85% of the movie, then it's not worth watching. Then it doesn't get five stars. No, exactly. <laughs> that's how, I'm pretty sure that's the Roger Ebert scale of rating, yes, rating movies. So, yeah. Bits and bobs. So, yeah, that, that's my Alfie. <laughs> what do you think of the song to wrap us up? Eh, Old Habits Die Hard eh, by Mick Jagger? It's fine. I mean, it's... Mick Jagger. I like hearing Mick Jagger's voice. But Mick Jagger does the soundtrack in this movie, too. He's responsible for the soundtrack. Yeah, no, there's a lot of him on the soundtrack. Him, him, and, and, it's great. Uh, him and David A. Stewart. Again, I wonder if that's calling back to the 60s to some extent, because Mick Jagger, that's a very 60s voice, Mick Jagger. I mean, is he the only other British voice we hear besides Alfie? I suppose, yeah. I think he is. Um, and yeah, 60s, exactly. No, I think that's, I think that's a good point. And of course, uh, after we hear uh, that, they do actually... You probably didn't watch through the credits, I'm guessing. But after they play Old Habits Die Hard, they do play Joss Stone's version of Alfie okay. after that. So, And it's a pretty good version. I like it. I didn't laugh I did, at it. I didn't get very far to the credits because it was about 4.15 in the morning and they were quite loud. So I shut them, okay. shut them off. <laughs> Alfie. Alfie. So, Jason, I'm not going to beat around the bush. It does not go to the Oscars. Mm. It does not go to the BAFTAs. Mm. Um, it did win a Golden Globe. For the song, Old Habits Die Hard, Mick Jagger and David A. Stewart won a globe for that. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, there's that's 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 basically it. This movie, okay, this is crazy. I don't know why the budget is this. This movie had a $60 million budget. That seems like a lot. Where? Where is that going? As Chris Rock well, told there's, us, there's, no one knows Jude Law. Uh, there are a lot of actresses in this movie. I mean, yeah, but $60 million? Maybe they're all. Maybe they all have really good agents. And uh, do you want to venture a guess as to how much this movie made at the box office? Did you log it paid fifty five million dollars for this movie? <laughs> sure. Yeah. He, he was. Uh, he was making. I heard Huckabee's money at this point. I don't know. Like like forty million dollars. Thirty five. Okay. Thirty five point two million. So it was a flop. Uh, and they said no more Alfie remakes. <laughs> <laughs> Alfie's time has passed. Um, yeah. So, I mean, some of the reviews, like Todd McCarthy from Variety called the movie a breezy, sexy romp with a conscience that reflects in obvious but interesting ways on societal changes over the intervening 38 years. I don't think it comments that much on societal changes, but uh, Roger Ebert did like the movie. Uh, he praised Jude Law's performance and said, on its own terms, it's funny at times and finally sad and sweet. And, uh, you know, it, it got pretty mixed reviews, though. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's almost a 50% right in the middle. But I, um, well, actually, we'll save it. Jason, what did you think of Alfie? 
I thought, in a nutshell, Alfie was a competent remake by a filmmaker that clearly liked the original film. Uh, kind of did a little bit of his own spin on it, but also paid some loving tribute to the original film. Um, I don't know, like I say, I don't think it's as relevant as the original film might have been at the time. I don't think it's trying to really do anything beyond be this tribute to the original film while kind of making a fun comedy about a shitty guy. Um, yeah, and, and it's perfectly watchable, perfectly enjoyable. I think it's, a, I've seen much worse remakes. On this show. On this show, for sure. Dr. Zhivago. Lawrence After a remake. Oh, well, that's, that's not really a, a remake. Well, no, but I mean. It's terrible is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like this is a perfectly watchable movie, but I don't know that, uh, like, I feel like it's perfectly watchable, especially in the context of the original, but if you're going to watch an Alfie, watch the original. There's no, I don't know that there's a reason really to watch this no. outside of... If you're a big like, Jude Law fan. Kind of a, if, yeah, if you're a big Jude Law fan, you're a big Sienna Miller fan. I think it's worth it to see Sienna Miller, and, uh, I mean, not in a big portion of the movie, but, I mean, and Jude Law is great, of course. Yes. He is great. I, I agree. This is a competent movie. This is a solid movie. I thought it was going to be not a good movie. Um, this is, by the way, I'm just going to give you a heads up. This is one of many uh, uh, certified rotten movies that we'll be talking about it over the next few weeks. So <laughs> brace yourselves; it could get a lot worse than this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's fine. It's it's uh, it's it's enjoyable. Jude Law does a good job. So yeah, my gets my highest rating ever: seven thumbs up. Woohoo! But Jason. We're going to continue this journey. I don't have my list in front of me, so I don't actually know the movie that it's going to be, so I'm okay. just going to pick it. All right. We're going to watch the long-awaited sequel to Hope and Glory, and it's called Queen and Country. That's right. Queen and Country, the long-awaited sequel to Hope and Glory. The kids are all grown up, and they're raising hell so we'll talk about that next week and uh yeah so where can they find us on social media jason we're screen country on facebook search us up i'm at jason d mcleod on twitter look me up you can search uh, you can see us at bfi pod bfi underscore pod on twitter pod on twitter check us out yep and so we'll talk about that next week queen and country i hope i'm right i'm probably not i probably fucked that up and who cares we're doing it until that moment i just gotta say to you God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screen and Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Alfie. I thought I shook myself free. You see, I bounce back quicker than most. But I'm half delirious. It's too mysterious. You walk through my walls like a ghost. And I take every day at a time. I'm proud as a line in his lair Now there's no denying it No decrying it You're all tangled up in my hair Old habits die hard Old soldiers just fade away Old habits die hard Harder than November rain Old habits die hard Old soldiers just fade away Old habits die hard Hard enough to feel the pain We haven't spoken in months You see, I've been counting the days 
of such insanities, such insanities. I'm lost like a kid and a maze, but I never taken your call. You see, I put the block on my. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two. Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three hour long story, like a movie for your ears, so you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So join us on a real play DD quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast, fantasy action, mystery, friendship.